You're listening to a podcast from 702. Bongani Lingua. On 702. Your number one news and talk station. On 92.7 and 106 FM. It is nine minutes after five o'clock. Welcome to the third and final hour of the afternoon drive. Two years ago, I got that phone call that every homeowner in this country dreads. There had been a home invasion at my home. I wasn't there at the time. It was Mandela Day. It was on a Saturday. And my then six-year-old and I had gone out to give sandwiches she had made for homeless people as part of her 67 minutes. So my domestic worker and my then 19-year-old son were home alone. As I say, it was a Saturday, the 18th of July, 2015. It was around 5 p.m. It was broad daylight, bright sunshine outside. They didn't know what hit them until it was too late. You know, it always seems like everything works for these guys. Nobody heard a sound until they were breaking down the front door. And maybe because of shock or fear, it was too late. They made them, they made him lie down. And they slapped my housekeeper, demanding keys to a safe. Of course, there's no such thing at my house. They only took a few electronics and a laptop and left us, you could say, with a trauma we're still dealing with. But we were the lucky ones. We really were the lucky ones. Many families are not. They are shot. They are tortured. And often, they are even killed. An estimated 1.5 million crime incidents were experienced by about 1.2 million households in South Africa in the year 2016 to 2017. The crime stats have been released. And I want to ask you, do you feel safe in your home? Have you had a home invasion? Joining us on the line from Pretoria is Head of Justice and Violence Prevention at the Institute for Security Studies, Gareth Newham. Thank you for your time and good afternoon to you. Thank you, uh, and good afternoon to everybody listening. Gareth, are these latest crime stats good news, or are they bad? We consider them very bad news. Uh, The two most important crime categories to look at carefully when trying to get a sense of the trends in violence in South Africa and organized violent crime, firstly, is the murder category. That is the most reliable crime statistic we have. And secondly, it's the category of aggravated robberies, which is broken down into subcategories such as car hijacking and home invasion, as you just spoke about. Those are also pretty well reported and are an indicator of whether police are able to use their vast resources to go on top of organized groups of criminals who are attacking people on the streets, in their homes, in their businesses, and that kind of thing. Um, The other violent crime categories, such as sexual offenses, assaults, are very unreliable. Most people who are victims of these crimes do not report them to the police. And we've seen over the last few years from the Victims of Crime Survey that increasingly every year, fewer and fewer victims are reporting their crimes to the police. So that that is the reason why those categories are going down. They're not a measure of the crime going down. They're a measure of people's faith in the trust, uh, trust in the police declining and therefore not reporting. So we don't see anything positive about these crime statistics released today. I mean... It's one of the things one tries to do, you know, at a time like this when these stats are released is to try and look back uh, to previous years. And what I've done is I've gone back to 2009 to 2011. And then we'd heard hijacking was down by 42 percent. House robberies were down by 20 percent. Business robberies were down by 19 percent. 
almost all those gains, if you look at what we're hearing today, seem to have been reversed. Indeed. Um, and I think what's really worrying is that, you know, for example, between, as you mentioned, 2009 and 2011, we saw very big reductions in those kinds of crimes. But from 2012 onwards, despite the police budget going up by almost 50%, uh, we have seen a decline in a variety of police functions. For example, crime intelligence has declined considerably in terms of the number of crime threat analysis uh, reports provided to police stations so they can direct the resources better. The detection rate that detectives use to measure how many cl- crimes they're able to solve for crimes like murder and robbery have all declined quite considerably. Even visual policing indicators, such as the numbers of coordinate search operations or roadblocks and arrests, have all declined. And that's despite an increase in resources. So the key issue, however, now is that why is this happening? And we really believe that it's because of a profound failure of police leadership, which is the direct result of poor appointments of, by the president of the National Commissioner and ongoing inappropriate political interference with the police at a variety of levels, where officers, because of their political loyalties, are appointed to key strategic posts, irrespective of their ability to do the job or not. And in some cases, such as the Richard and Billy case show, even where they're uh, being charged and there's evidence of serious crimes, that they remain in their posts and are protected from being held accountable because of their political loyalties. This is happening at the top of the organization and at the provincial level in some provinces, and that has severely affected the way that the entire organization, particularly at station level, are able to utilize the resources effectively. So when you hear Minister Figil Mbalula admit that, in fact, poor leadership at the very top has been a factor, does that comfort you? Does that encourage you in any way? Or does it even make you more despondent? Because actually, what does it mean? Well, in some ways, it gives us some hope because this is the first time we've heard a police minister acknowledge openly that one of the key problems is that of poor leadership. However, he seems to make out as if that is something separate from the politics. It is his boss, the president, who's the only person in the country who can fix that because it is only the president who's able to appoint the National Commission of Police. And as long as the president does not implement the recommendations of the National Development Plan, which very clearly state that in order to solve this crisis, you need to have a transparent, merit-based, open process for selecting the National Commissioner. So we hear today, however, that the Minister Police said that at some point between now and the end of the year, we'll all wake up in the morning and the President will just announce the new National Commissioner. And we'll have absolutely no idea if that man or woman has the skills, the abilities or the integrity to mm-hmm. run the police. And that has always been the key failing. He also never said anything about how he's going to deal with Richard Abdulli. Uh, there's been a high court judgment going back as early as 2012 or so that says that the police must instigate internal disciplinary hearings against him. The evidence is overwhelming. It's been used to fire other people. However, six years later, he's still there. But the minister didn't mention what he's going to do about that. The minister is responsible for appointing the new head of the Hawks. Um, the last minister of police only appointed the person once he'd been found guilty. Uh, there's a finding against him of being dishonest and dishonorable. The Minister of Police today did not mention how he's going to ensure that that never happens again. So it's not separate to politics. It's because of politics that our lives are increasing at risk and more people are getting attacked on the streets and in their homes. So basically the politicians fiddle whilst Rome burns because uh, this is, uh, I suppose, uh, great news for criminal syndicates because, for example, one of the things we're finding now is that we've got, what, 34 murders per 100,000? people? Indeed, that's 52 murders every day on average um, and growing. Uh, you know, if you look at it this way, there were three and a half, almost 3,500 more murders last year than there were five years ago. 
There were over 40,000 more armed attacks, which is 110 more armed attacks every single day on average in people's homes and businesses on the streets than there was five years ago. And it's completely unnecessary because we have excellent police officials across the organization who have got years of operational experience, who have uh, immense technology in terms of crime intelligence and communication deception. If they were left alone and only the best cops appointed to the senior positions, we would see a big change in the policing ability and they would get on top of these crime changes. Okay. As, soon as, as soon as the politics is sorted out, those rest will, be, will rest will follow. Gareth, does the minister's bluster help or impede the fight against crime? It doesn't make much difference. Most of the professional police officers uh, who work in the front lines of crime don't really pay too much attention to the political rhetoric. So when he calls for the police to um, break the law, to shoot people, to torture them, they largely ignore that because they know uh, that he might say that. But if they suddenly find themselves at the, in front of a magistrate or a judge facing serious charges, it's, the minister will do nothing for them. So, you know, it, it doesn't really affect their behavior overall. But what it does do is it gives many police a sense of, well, we're not going to be held accountable. So we can get away with it. And you might find that the patterns of brutality that we see in policing across the country continue and very little is done to fix that. And certainly there's an indication that that's getting worse because in the last five or six years, the amount of money being paid out by the courts to victims of police brutality and police misconduct has increased by 175%, standing at almost 300 million rand a year. So a police minister who wants to see professional policing would say nothing other than he expects every police officer to uphold the highest standards of uh, police professionalism as articulated in their code of conduct, their code of ethics, and he will make sure that any police officer who steps over that line will be held accountable because the, most, the only real way the police can get on top of the crime is if they have the trust of the community who work with them to identify the criminals in their midst. Right, the Head of Justice and Violence Prevention at the Institute for Security Studies, Gareth Newham, on the line there from Pretoria. So the crime stats are out. Read them and weep. What was that old saying? The fish rots from the head down. It's the state of our politics that is to blame in many ways. I want to ask you, do you feel safe in your home? Have you had a home invasion? Um, you know, we are hearing from Gareth there that... Uh, aggravated robbery, jackings, uh, home invasions, those sort of crimes are being increasingly uh, better reported. So that's why they seem to be up. And the crimes that are not uh, uh, being reported are the ones that we're being told are going down. What's your experience? Do you feel safe? EWN Traffic. This EWN Traffic is brought to you by Discovery Insure, car insurance that rewards good driving. It's